Thanks for tuning in. This episode was originally recorded for YouTube, so some references might be lost on listeners. To get the full experience and to view current episodes, go to youtube.com forward slash at Rob Talks Beer. That's youtube.com forward slash the at symbol Rob Talks Beer. All right, let's go to the episode. Welcome to Rob from the Internet Talks About Beer, a show where we discuss different styles of beer, beer history, beer flavor profiles. We give shout-outs to breweries we think make exceptional beer, and we talk about whatever else comes to mind during the course of the conversation. I'm Rob, and if you like this style of entertainment that I'm putting out there, I'd appreciate it if you'd uh, like the video, maybe subscribe to the channel, maybe tell your friends, because we've all got friends that need to know more about beer. Uh, without further ado, let's get this episode started. Today, I am joined by Derek, and I'm probably going to butcher your last name. Is it Langeneckert? Oh, I forgot to unmute you. Oh, rookie move. Rookie move. <laughs> there you go. Sorry. <laughs> it's all good. So how do you pronounce your last name, Derek? Uh, uh, Langeneckert. Okay, so yeah, I guess I didn't butcher it too terribly. And No, it wasn't too bad. <laughs> and you are with Alpha Brewing in St. Louis, correct? That's All right. right. So tell me a little bit about uh, yourself and how you got into uh, the world of craft beer. Sure. Um, I have a background in science. Um, I have a master's in biology. So I really approach science from that sort of our approach brewing from the scientific uh, side of things. Um, I actually started as a, I was an assistant brewer at a local brewery here before I, I was encouraged to start home brewing. Uh, so, yeah, I don't, more lab stuff, more analytical stuff, I think, is my strength. And how long How long have you been uh, in the world of science and beer? Sure. Well, I'm only 36, so most of my adult life. <laughs> uh, Alpha Brewing Company will have its 10th anniversary on April 10th this year. Nice. So I started the company when I was 26, or we opened our doors when I was 26. We started the company when I was 25. You're much more of a go-getter than I am. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was working at this brewery. Um, uh, my wife was in grad school, too, at the time, and she's, uh, you know, overachiever type person. Um, she was she was working at a law firm, and I I didn't want to have it. <laughs> I didn't want to work, and she told me, you, you got to go get a job. So I thought, well, bar- bartending sounds fun. I'll go get a bartending job. And I went into this place called Square One, and their brewer, John Woody, he's actually a veterinarian by training. <laughs> so uh, the hiring manager was like, well, we don't have any bartender job, but maybe you want to talk to this guy. Seems like you guys would really, uh, you know, your personality seemed to mesh up or whatever. Oh, boy. My <laughs> my rookie mistake is I didn't charge my phone before this thing. Oh, no. <laughs> it just told me I'm at 20%. <laughs> of course. Um, talk genius fast, level. Talk fast. Yeah, right. <laughs> so uh yeah, so I got this assistant brewer's job there, which, you know, uh wasn't anything fancy. He was teaching me how to use the commercial brewing equipment. Um I was washing kegs, kegging stuff, cleaning tanks. Um yeah, but it all seemed kind of natural because I did all this sort of stuff, you know, in Chem Lab before. 
or in biology lab, you know, like uh, enzyme assays, uh, we did stuff with that, um, you know, which is basically a mash because yep. uh, you're, you're using amylase enzyme there for, for conversion of starch into sugars. Um, so, you know, it just really made a lot of sense. And uh, after about a year working there, I decided, you know, well, I, I think I can do this. And so got a group of family and friends together and uh, we opened the original Alpha Brewing Company uh, in downtown St. Louis in this little tiny, it was in an alley. It was 20, 2,300 square feet or something like that with no kitchen, 10 taps and a little two barrel system. And uh, five years later we were, well, I mean, immediately after we opened there, we, it was not possible to keep up with any sort of production, even though we didn't distribute, you know, two barrels. Two barrels is only four kegs. Right, right. That's only, that's only four <laughs> that's, kegs. So, yeah, that's not going to give you get you too much of anything. So, uh, you know, we did invest in a couple five barrel tanks, but it just it wasn't enough. And uh, but trying to find a location for a brewery is a lot more difficult than I think uh, you'd think. Um, you know, you need tall ceilings, you need loading docks, you need. Uh, no basement, for instance, um, steel structure, concrete, you know, not just a concrete floor, but a four inch concrete floor. So you can set tanks on it and it won't crack it. Uh, you also want a parking lot, um, which sounds like, Oh, cool. Just buy a warehouse. And I see that a lot. Um, but the issue I see with or the issue I saw with those and why I didn't want to do it was because you have to drive back into some industrial court to, to get to that brewery. And I, there's dozens of them all over the place I've been to, but I wanted it to be in the middle of a neighborhood. You know, so we're going to get the neighborhood vibe going on. Yep. And it took us about three years to find the location that we're at now. It's uh, right. It's it's just perfect. It's right on the edge of a great neighborhood that has a, a really great public park called Tower Grove. And right across the street's houses behind us is more of an industrial area. So we're just like right on the edge. Nice. And it re- really worked out well. Um, it encompasses three buildings. Two of them we combined into making the tap room. And then, which is about total, the tap room is about 4,000 square feet. It's big. Including, <laughs> well, it doesn't feel very big. Uh, <laughs> uh, we have a kitchen, a private event space that's about 1,000 square feet. There's about 1,800 square feet for the bar, seating for 99, according to the fire department. <laughs> <laughs> right? A beer patio that uh, is about 6,000 square feet. Also seats about 100, though, just because that's, we have, you know, we actually, we worked with uh, the Missouri Botanical Gardens. A couple of the groundskeepers there became regulars, and we were talking about planting some, some something, something. We were working with a consultant, and these guys were like, "What? No, we, please, can we just come up here and plant this beer garden?" <laughs> so they actually planted like native plants in our beer garden. It looks really That's good. That's awesome. And it's all native stuff, which is great, you know. So it comes back every year, and uh, yeah, it's, it's a garden though. It's not like a rock pit, right? with picnic tables in it, which I really enjoy. And there's like butterflies and bees and stuff in it all summer, really dog friendly. And then next to that building is just a square building with a 16 foot ceiling. It's a hundred feet by hundred feet. So it's 10,000 square feet in there. And we have a walk-in in there. That's the size of our original place downtown. <laughs> now. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. You know, my wife and I, when, when I first moved to Canada, my wife and I were considering opening a brewery and you're right. Trying to find a good space is hard. Um, especially like, uh, most places, I I don't know what the zoning laws are in St. Louis area, but up here uh, in Ontario, uh, at least in the town that I'm in, 
they want all the breweries in in industrial spaces because they're technically considered manufacturing and it's like yeah it's like okay but i want clientele that are not going to necessarily want to drive into some sketchy industrial park in the middle of the night <laughs> when, when right. they want to come for beers and we fought yeah. we fought for about six months and finally got the city to give us uh give us clearance to it to actually open it in a downtown location uh it, we have a we have a, a college uh here in our downtown and we wanted to open near the college so that we could get you know all that all that natural foot traffic from the college students we didn't end up open a brewery and uh because you know we, we kind of saw all the expenses and then we kind of it was it was like right before covid hit and we were like oh, oh lucky you do we want to do we want to try and open a brewery with with all the stuff that's starting to go on right now so we decided not to and I think it was a good idea. So um, I, I just scaled back the uh, the system that I was going to buy and I put a one barrel system in my garage, you know, so there you go. <laughs> That's a lot of beer for a homebrewer, man. Seriously, <laughs> it is. I tend to do half a half barrel batches on it. Um, but, you know, I've got we, we like to entertain and we, we tried it. We, 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 you know, it's been hard with with COVID the last few years, but we like to have like barbecues like all the time and have all our friends and neighbors over. So it's always nice to just sure. be able to to have a, a, a big whack of beer on tap. That's mine along with whatever else we happen to have. So. Sure. So uh, what, uh, what is your signature beer and what are your main styles of beer that you guys brew? Um, our flagship, we haven't quite landed on one quite yet. We have uh, two, two or three, maybe we have a Belgian blonde, just an easy Belgian blonde called filer flyer. Um, the, the can has a, uh, uh, and I guess you're going to clip this together later. Well, or is this live? This is, no, it's not live, but I will do a little, I, I'll do some light editing later. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can send you some pictures of the cans. Excellent. If you'd like, uh, we have one called Filer Flyer. It's uh Belgian blonde, 5%, 20 IBUs, real easy drinking. And it's the cans of radio flyer, like a red wagon. Nice. And the street, the street that the brewery's on is called Filer F Y L E R. So that's kind of where it came out with that. Um, and then we have one called Divine Intervention, which is a blood orange blonde. Nice. And it's uh, also really easy drinking. It was a collab we did with a local band. And I thought it was going to be a once-off, but it was really popular, so we just kept making it. Um, I would call those like our normal beers. We kind of have two lines. We have a line called the Funk Series, and all of those are Fodor-aged fruited sours. Now you're talking my language, my friend. <laughs> there you go. Maybe I should send you some yeast samples. <laughs> there you go. Yeast samples. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we got three photos uh, from, there's a company called Photor Crafters. And I think there might, or when we bought these photos, they're the only com company in the country making photos. And we're, we happen, we're in Missouri, which is the barrel stave capital of the world. So there's a lot of good timber here for those sort of things. We have two 30 barrels and a 15 barrel folder. Nice. Folders. Yeah. And we use those, uh, we brew into them Solera method. So, you know, yep. uh, our brew house, our brew house is 15 barrels. Uh, two of the tanks are thirties and we have a 15. So we brew, we take half a batch out, transfer it into a stainless tank and add fruit and then brew fresh wort back into it. And it's great because we never have to repitch. It always fires right back right. up. One of them, one of them has a lactobrat strain in it that I cultured out of a rosé wine barrel back in 2014. Awesome. And the other 40 barrel tank just has a, a <laughs> Britannomyces. Is that your brewing assistant? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, and the other one has just a Brett, Brett, uh, what'd you call it? Mix. A couple different Brett strains in it. So, you know, it kind of gives us the options that if we, we get a fruit in and it changes an awful lot, depending on the season, depending on kind of what, uh, we use organ fruits a lot, um, or aseptic purees now in these 15 barrel batches. It's in the old days when we were brewing on two barrel system, I'd go down to the fruit market and get it you know, a hundred cantaloupes and we chop right. them up. It's just, it's, it's just not feasible yeah, that's anymore. Not, that's not a tenable solution when you're above, when you're above <laughs> two barrels. <laughs> you know, when we first moved to this place, I did, I went down and I was just like, well, two barrels, 15, so seven times more fruit. And I got strawberries and it was, I don't know, 80 cases or something of strawberries. And me and one of the partners sat there and took all the green stems off of all of them. <laughs> and it it was like two whole days, of, and I'm like, no more. <laughs> we're we're going to find another solution to this problem. Uh, it's but, called neighbor kids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wish. <laughs> uh, so it just kind of depends on the fruit we can get in. You know, these companies, they, they seem to have the ability to get all sorts of weird stuff in. So we had a opportunity last fall to get used dragon fruit. Nice. And that, that was a really delicious beer, and the color on it was dark purple. Uh, haven't seemed to been able to get that back in stock, but so what I'm saying is we have two photos, one with this Brett in it and the other one with this lacto Brett strain in it. So when we, we have the opportunity to get some interesting fruit, we can kind of pick and choose the dragon fruit was really sour. So you wouldn't want to use the lacto Brett cultured fodder for the dragon fruit, particularly because it might be too sour. Right. So use the Brett one instead and use the beer to complement the fruit. Really cool. Cool. So you said you use a Solera method. Are you guys using an actual Solera method or a modified Solera method? Like, do you just do you, like, you know, because a traditional Solera method, you have like a, a minimum of three levels that you do. You have your your new stuff, then your your slightly older stuff, and then the, the, the oldest stuff or three or more levels, actually. So, mm. um, and if, 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 hey, you just went black. <laughs> I got it. Put me on power save mode. Maybe it'll last a little bit longer. Ah, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> but uh, yeah, or, so I was just because, like, you know, I, yeah, yeah, I, I heard you. I love, I love Solera, Solera style uh, beers. I mean, um, I buy, I buy one from um, New Holland Brewing in Michigan that's mm. called Solera, which is a, which is a, you know, an old school Solera method where they have, I think, I think they use, I think, uh, if I remember correctly, they use a five tier system for their Solera system. Wow. Yeah. So it, you know, so it, it, it's great for consistency. It's great for, like you said, uh, never having to, uh, to repitch because it's always ready to go, you know? And then the other one, the other, the, 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 the most famous Solera one that, that, uh, I buy that most people don't really realize is a Solera style is, uh, Sam Adams Utopias. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Dude. Yeah. I have only had the privilege of getting one Sam Adams Utopias. See, uh, I have, man, like a, 2015 maybe i don't know <laughs> i have friends that live uh literally within 30 minutes of the brewery so every time it comes out they're like hey it's out you want it yes <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I have a 2017 a 2019 and a 2021 up in my liquor cabinet right now <laughs> man must be nice being rich yeah <laughs> well you know yeah I, I uh i did have i did have a life before before i started uh before i started home brewing and uh and uh doing podcast stuff here you know i uh i used to be the cio for a medical corporation so i made my money and 
And uh, originally, I, so originally I was set to retire and open a brewery, which isn't really retiring. And then uh, <laughs> we didn't open the brewery. And my wife's like, well, you can't just be retired because I'm not ready to be retired. So then I had to go uh-huh. back and find a job. <laughs> well, cool. That works out good. Yeah. So there's no real pressure. So any job I have is just like whatever job I want. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, so to answer your question, so uh, it kind of depends. Um, we so we transfer out of those floaters into a variety of different tanks. Uh, okay. We have three different sizes. We have a fifteen barrel, and they're square stainless totes. And we use the square totes instead of like a conical tank because when you put the fruit in there, it actually gives a good surface area oh, on yeah. the bottom. That for makes the, sense. Yep. Yeah. So we have uh, a couple. Uh, let's see. Well, they'd be like a couple seven barrels, uh, a couple 11 barrels, and then a couple 15 barrels. Okay, so that's a, that's a decent. So, so sometimes we'll do something like pull half and half out of each one of the photos to fill a 15-barrel tank and then fill them back up, but it would only be like 25%. Yep. And then the next time we'll take 15 barrels out. So not not traditional. Like Yeah, so it's like a hybrid, uh, a hybrid Solaris system, but still... That that's that that's absolutely fantastic. I mean, it, cool. it, you know, it, it one it it helped like I said it helps keep you it keeps consistency on on the stuff that you're pulling out of the photor and, and and two it makes it makes it easier on you guys in the long run. <laughs> for sure. So, what is your uh, main focus I guess for styles of beer? You said you have the two different blondes is that is, is, is Belgian blondes. Is that your main focus is Belgian style beers? Um, or, or is that well, just two that you're, that, you, that you really, that are really good? <laughs> well, you got, you kind of got a, uh, the, the brewer I worked at, uh, at square one, he, he always said that you got to brew the beers you got to brew so you can brew the beers you want to brew. Yep. And so that's kind of, you know, we sell a lot of both of those Blondales. They're really popular at the tap room and, uh, they keep people there for sure. The fruited sours are more adventurous for sure. Yep. And uh, they appeal to more, you know, the craft beer aficionado type guy. The geeks, but and you need like me, yeah, yeah. Well, you need all of them, you know. And and we're we're really trying to keep prices at a reasonable level, so we're still selling these fruited sours for seven or eight dollars a glass. Okay. Um, but the you know those two Blondales both go for five or six, I think. Yeah, I mean that's not uncommon. Uh, you know, a lot a lot of the the, the breweries that I go to. They have a tiered pricing for their beers, depending on how much the ingredients cost, how long it takes to make them and things like that. So it's uh, it's not uncommon for that. And and seven or eight dollars for for a quality glass of a, of a fruited sour or, or a photo aged beer is not unreasonable by any stretch. I don't think so. You know what? I'm wondering. You're trying to find a power outlet, w- aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> well, these these headphones plug into this thing. So if I unplug the headphones, <laughs> oh yeah, I got gotcha, you, I got gotcha. you. But I have a wireless charger, so I'm wondering if I can just hold them together, oh, and then, it'll actually you should be able to, yeah. It'll do what it's supposed to do. <laughs> Meanwhile, we get a tour of your house. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I only live eight blocks down from the brewery, so it's uh, oh, that's nice. Really, con- do you, do you, do really you convenient work to work? for work, or do you drive to work? Uh, uh, I drive because I'm lazy. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, well, I definitely drove today. It's like freezing cold outside <laughs> in the summertime sometimes we ride our bikes up there yeah okay that makes sense yeah i mean i would do that too for sure i mean eight blocks is not that far for you know uh but but it can be when it's really cold or if it's raining and things like that so i, I get it 
All right, there we go. <laughs> Did you get yourself charging again? <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Cool. Excellent. So, so um, do you guys make uh, say like a porter or a stout or anything like that, or is it? Oh, definitely. So uh, year round, the, the Belgian blonde, the uh, um, blood orange blonde, we have an oatmeal style called Believers Brew, uh, a Belgian style brown ale, nice, and uh, a tangerine IPA are pretty much our year round soft. Uh, regular commodity beer type offerings. We have two barrel aged sours that we've been doing since the very beginning. One is uh, a sour blonde ale aged in Chardonnay barrels, and the other one is a sour black ale aged in Pinot Noir barrels. Ooh, that sounds delicious. Um, you know, we we used to do a whole bunch of barrel aged sours, and frankly, that style seems to be falling off. I think. Yeah, it, I, I think uh, you know. Um, I think in general, I've noticed a trend that um, barrel aged beers as a as a whole have kind of started to uh, to decline again. And it's a it's a cyclical thing. You know, they'll 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 go down in popularity for a few years and then they'll be back. <laughs> it's always funny. Uh, you know, just the people I see at the bar, it's interacting with with the consumers. It's really funny to me because you'll talk to a guy who's like. Man, black IPAs. When are those going to come back? Or uh, th- there was a fad in St. Louis. Maybe I thought it was everywhere, but there's black IPAs. Oh no, there was it, like it wasn't just St. Louis. <laughs> there's red ales and amber ales. Everyone had to have one of those. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and then of course the twelve percent, twelve thousand IBU. Yeah. IPA. Yeah. No thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you and had me for- at twelve percent. And you lost me at, 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 at that, that IBU number. Yeah, no thanks. You know, I'm one of the, uh, this this comes up a lot in my conversations with beer people. They're always like, oh, what style of beers do you like? And I name them off. I'm like, oh, you didn't say IPA. And I'm like, no, because I'm very, I'm very persnickety about my IPAs. I love, uh-huh. I love a good traditional English IPA with that heavy malt backbone with just, uh-huh. just a little bit of bitter punch at the end or like, comes in at the middle and, and lingers to the end. You know, I don't need hmm. something that's a hot bomb. I don't need something that, uh, that that's so bitter that it makes me, reminds me of uh, ex-girlfriends, you know, things like that. So, <laughs> and right. I've often, I've often been quoted as saying that uh, hazy IPAs are not IPAs. They're the IPAs for people who don't like IPAs. <laughs> sure. And West coast well, are just too damn bitter for my taste. Hmm. I mean, those are like the traditional American IPAs, yeah. the, the West Coast, like Torpedo, maybe from Sierra Nevada. Yeah, it, or and uh, it, that's exactly something it. from Stone. Yeah, Stone. Yeah, like uh, Stone. Yeah, and what's uh, uh, I guess arrogant, arrogant bastard wasn't really a uh, wasn't really a, an IPA. It was just a uh, just a brown ale dry hop with Simcoe. Yeah, I think. yeah, just a dry hop brown <laughs> ale. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I'm not. I'm you know, there's there's very few there's very few American pale ales that I like. Um, there's one by uh, Three Floyds called uh, Alpha King that that I do enjoy, um, mm. and uh, and then uh, Zombie Dust is another one of theirs that that I enjoy on occasion. It's not something like I couldn't drink one every day, but you know, once or twice a year, if someone goes, "Hey, I've got one of these," I'll be like, "Yeah, okay, I'll drink that." But Gumball Head's pretty good too. Yeah, Gumball Head's not bad, uh, and, and I lo- I love the the can art for that one too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they're pretty close to us. Well, you know, Chicago from St. Louis. Yeah, they're Indiana, man. Come on. 
Yeah, Come well, on. yeah. I'm going to get a whole bunch of hate That's tweets right. now. That's right, you're going to get a bunch of people going, hey, we're not from Chicago. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I get it. I mean, I, I grew up I grew up in Rockford, Illinois, and, and it was just easier for me to tell people I was from the Chicago area because uh-huh. nobody knows where Rockford, <laughs> Illinois is, you know. But <laughs> they're like, well, where, where exactly in the Chicago area? Well, about an hour northwest of Chicago. so yeah i get it i get it yeah you know people just generalize yeah it's the chicago area and and to be fair a lot of their clientele are probably in the chicago area so sure right so okay if if uh, if people are 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 wanting to visit you where's your brewery at and your tap room sure it's located in the tower grove south neighborhood in st louis uh we have a tap room and a kitchen uh like i said we have a big patio so when it gets warm outside uh, that that's always packed. Uh, we usually do live music out there. Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Um, maybe in the summertime we'll add back. We used to do Wednesday and Thursday as well, but freezing cold outside, no one wants to come out. Uh, <laughs> or I should say, less people are coming out uh, to patronize the bar in January. Yeah, I get and it. And this ridiculous thing called dry January. I don't even know. Yeah, no, <laughs> we do we do moist January. <laughs> <laughs> right. We just try and curb our drinking a little bit, but it's moderately to not successful at all. <laughs> uh, uh, yes. Yeah, so we, the tap room kitchen is open two to 10 every day of the week. Um, we have a private event space that can run out. Uh, we have 20 beers on tap or we have 20 taps. I should say we do do a hard seltzer. Um, that brand is called pretty pleasy. <laughs> we, we have, uh, I don't know, um, maybe 10 different flavors of that, that we can, we have a variety pack of that too. Nice. You know, appealing to different markets there. Yep. Uh, we also do draft cocktails on on tap um, to appeal to more larger groups there, and it kind of goes hand in hand with. So we're working on opening a distillery oh, nice. uh, just a couple miles down the road. That should hopefully be open in September. Man, it's sounding more and more like I gotta get my ass to St. Louis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a pretty good beer town, especially for how big. How, how much population we have, how many breweries we have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I learned about you guys from from a Twitter friend of mine, Brian. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Drink 314. 314, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, uh, he's the one who uh, told me about you guys and, and uh, suggested I, I uh, try and get you on the show. And uh, Totally. He's, uh, he's a big fan, so, you know. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just saw him down there a couple days ago. <laughs> uh, what about uh, on the socials? Where can people find you guys on the socials? Uh, all of them are at Alpha Brewing Co. There you go. So Instagram, Twitter. We're on LinkedIn if you want to friend us on LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hey, man. LinkedIn's probably the best social media site I've ever been on because there's no trolling on there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's all professional people. <laughs> I, sp- I, spend, I spend most of my time these days on Mastodon just for the same reason. Uh, it doesn't have all the drama that's over on Twitter and it's not just a bunch of, uh, you know, people trying to sell you things like I find on Instagram and things like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. New hand lotion and hair cream. And yeah, stuff. yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, how, how many different types of razors do you think I need? And I know and they all got clever names too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. All right. So, so one more thing, Derek, if you had to choose sure. your favorite style of beer, not, not necessarily something you brew, not necessarily something that you, uh, that, that uh, you guys serve at your place. What is your personal favorite style of beer? Well, uh, I'll tell you, um, def- <laughs> and you're going to laugh, uh, definitely a Blondale. Every time we go somewhere, 
uh, going on a little trip. Uh, we were just in Virginia, actually. We are just up in the mountains in uh, Appalachia. We went to a couple breweries. I always order the Blondale first because it tells you a lot about what they're doing at their place. It's hard to hide mistakes there. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you walk into a place and every single beer has, you know, 25 spices in it, it's double super dry hop with lactose, and they don't have a Blondale, I mean, it's you know <laughs> yeah yeah no I, I get it i i do the same thing like you know i always uh if i go to a new new uh brewery i will i will find whatever their basic lager is i will find or a pilsner if they have a happen to have a pilsner of some sort i will do sure. uh, if they have a standard stout or a standard porter things like that things that are a little bit harder to hide all your mistakes because it's real easy like in a barrel aged chocolate marshmallow graham cracker caramel <laughs> stout it's real easy to hide uh-huh. your mistakes just the same thing like right. like in a hazy IPA that that's got all those fruity flavors and everything it's real easy to hide mistakes but you know you can't hide something in a pilsner <laughs> right right and I, I honestly I enjoy them you know I we we drink a lot in my house and you know I it used to be fun to go get some 19% stout or whatever, but it's a night ender, you know, and I'd, I'd rather have like four or five beers than have one. And then I got to go to bed. I feel called out. I drink four <laughs> or five 19%ers in, in, in a session. What are you talking about? Yeah. You opening up those bomber bottles still, <laughs> you know, they're getting harder and harder to find. Um, a lot of the breweries up here have switched down from the 750 mil bottles down to like uh, the five 500 mil bottles. So, you know, so have we. yeah. And, and it makes sense. And then even now the trend, like in the last, the last six months, the trend is even get rid of the 500 mil bottles, just go to either uh 16 ounce cans or even 12 ounce cans of the higher ABV stuff. Because I mean, and it makes sense because not everybody's like me who, who can sit down with uh with a 750 mil bottle of a, a double digit ABV and be like, okay, what are we drinking after this? <laughs> well, we used to do our Russian Imperial stouts. We do two. One it's one's called Muscovy, and it's just your typical Russian Imperial Stout Asian bourbon barrels. It usually comes out around thirteen or fourteen percent. And we do another rendition of that one in the summertime called Better Days, and it uh, has cinnamon in it. So it's slightly cinnamon. Uh we used to do both of those in seven fifties. And then last year we switched the Better Days to sixteen ounce cans. And I think for consumers they they didn't want to spend eight bucks on one can. Yeah. So they really didn't go over that well. We switched better days into 500 mil bottles and it sold a lot better. <laughs> so maybe, maybe just the glass feels like it's heavy enough to be worth. Actually, we did 10 bucks. Uh, yeah. Nine, we were looking for nine ninety nine from those bottles of better days. So people are willing to pay two more bucks for the bottle, which, well, you know, there's, there, there's, <laughs> there's a, there's a bit of a, there's a bit of a, I guess it's a bias. Uh, people think uh, people think that higher ABV beers need to be in bottles to make it worth it. I guess I don't know. It's it, maybe it, it's it's one of those things because like you know I found that uh, like places places will they'll offer things in bottles that uh, that would really probably benefit being in a can, uh, especially like like I said the double digits stuff. A lot of it could be sold in uh, in in like a twelve ounce can, which is yeah three hundred fifty five milliliters here in Canada. <laughs> sure, you're right. Um, because, because, you know, then, like you said, it's not a night ender. Okay. You're having a 12 ounce. Well, if you split that with a friend, if it's say a 13 or 14%, that's a six ounce pour. So that's like, you know, that's like a, a flight style glass or, or a little larger than a flight style glass. Sure. And then you've still got, you've still got a little bit of headroom there to, uh, to switch back to other beers and things like that without feeling like, sure. Oh my God, I, I'm totally wasted. 
I mean, unless you're like, right. unless you're like me and you put the fun in functional alcoholic and you drink a 750 <laughs> mil bottle on your own. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm going to do it though, I want to drink more than one, you know? So it's like, it seems to be this whole pressure thing where you get a couple of these bottles, then you got to save them for, Oh, when we get together with that group of, you know, people who like this sort of stuff. And then you forget to bring them, you know, it's yeah. like it's sitting in my fridge for so long. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I kind of gave up or maybe. I just drink a glass of whiskey. It'd be a bunch easier. Yeah, well, yeah, I do that as well. I love, I love, I love my <laughs> Irish whiskey and my scotch. So <laughs> definitely, <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, I do, I do love, uh, I do love a good barrel aged stout. But uh, I can appreciate the uh, the lower the lower ABV ones as well. Like, because um, like uh, in in our house household, it's just my wife and I, and I'm the one who likes the big the big heavy hitting beers, and she's not a, not a huge fan. She'll take a sip or two off of whatever I pour. But uh, for the most part, you know, if, if I could get stouts and porters that are in the four or five, six percent range, my wife would drink a lot more of them. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. So. Our standard stout that we put out all the time called Believer's Brew is only six. Yeah, that's, that's perfectly acceptable stout level. I mean, and then you know, we do some fun variations with it. So last year for Thanksgiving, we always put out a specialty stout for Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving. And uh, this year we aged it in uh, some local whiskey barrels, Pinkney Bend Distillery. We got a couple barrels from them, aged a small batch of that in there, and then worked with a local flavor company to add like, um, oh, like a Frangelico. What's Frangelico made out of? That's an orange liqueur, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, an orangey, uh, caramely flavoring to it. Nice. And that went over really well. I bet it did. Yeah, chocolate, orange, and caramel. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's It's like taking one of those uh, Terry's oranges putting it in liquid for right that was just so great too yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome awesome well man one more time if people are looking to find you guys on the socials it's what alpha brewing co alpha brewing co all right and you get and whereabouts in st louis are you tower grove park neighborhood tower grove park neighborhood there you have it folks all right. Well, this is the this this is the part of the show where I say, "Hey, this is the end of the show." There you go. <laughs> so if you if you've enjoyed this episode, if you've lasted this long through our rambling and 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 everything, if you've enjoyed it, please uh, like it, subscribe, tell your friends. Other than that, you know, until next time, I'm Rob from the Internet. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>